Tonight, of course, we're celebrating the Mass, which specifically commemorates the Last Supper. In other words, it specifically commemorates the institution of two of the sacraments by Christ our Lord. The Sacrament of Holy Orders, since this is precisely the time at which Christ our Lord consecrated the apostles as bishops, and also established the most blessed sacrament of the altar. And in regards to this, that great bishop and doctor of the church, St. Alphonsus, has some beautiful words that are well worth meditating on on this solemn occasion, the anniversary of the institution of the priesthood. St. Alphonsus. In his epistle to the Christians of Smyrna, St. Ignatius Martyr says that the priesthood is the most sublime of all created dignities. The apex of dignities is the priesthood. St. Ephraim of Syria calls it an infinite dignity. The priesthood is an astounding miracle, great, immense, and infinite. The dignity of the priest is estimated from the exalted nature of his office. Priests are chosen by God to manage on earth all his concerns and interests. St. Cyril of Alexandria says, Divine are the offices confided to priests. St. Ambrose is called the priestly office a divine profession. A priest is a minister destined by God to be a public ambassador of the whole church, to honor him and to obtain his graces for all the faithful. The entire church cannot give to God as much honor nor obtain so many graces as a single priest by celebrating a single Mass. For the greatest honor that the whole church without priests could give to God would consist in offering to him in sacrifice the lives of all men. But of what value are the lives of all men compared with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which is a sacrifice of infinite value? What are all men before God but a little dust? As a drop in the bucket, as a little dust. They are a mere nothing in his sight. All nations are before him, as if they had no being at all. Thus, by the celebration of a single Mass, in which he offers Jesus Christ in sacrifice, a priest gives greater honor to the Lord than if all men, by dying, offered God the sacrifice of their lives. By a single Mass, he gives greater honor to God than all the angels and the saints, along with the Blessed Virgin Mary, have given or shall give to him, for their worship cannot be of infinite value, like that which the priest on the altar offers to God. Moreover, in the Holy Mass, the priest offers to God an adequate thanksgiving for all the graces bestowed even upon the blessed in paradise. But such a thanksgiving, all the saints together are incapable of offering to him. Hence it is on this account also that the priestly dignity is superior even to all 
celestial dignities. Besides, the priest, says St. John Chrysostom, is an ambassador of the whole world to intercede with God and obtain graces for all creatures. The priest, according to St. Ephraim of Syria, treats familiarly with God. To priests, every door is open. Jesus has died to institute the priesthood. It was not necessary for the Redeemer to die in order to save the world. A drop of his blood, a single tear of prayer, was sufficient to procure salvation for all. For such a prayer, being of infinite value, should be sufficient to save not one, but a thousand worlds. But to institute the priesthood, the death of Jesus Christ has been necessary. Had he not died, where should we find the victim that the priests of the new law now offer? A victim altogether holy and immaculate, capable of giving to God an honor worthy of God. As has already been said, all the lives of men and angels are not capable of giving to God an infinite honor like that which a priest offers to him by a single mass. Close quotes, St. Alphonsus. Indeed, night at this very mass, we are celebrating the institution of those astounding realities, the priesthood and the most blessed sacrament of the altar. Now, in the olden days, the bishop actually celebrated three different psalm masses on Holy Thursday. This mass, of course, which was the third mass of the day. Before this mass, the chrism mass, in which the bishop would bless the holy oils to be used in the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, ordination, and extreme unction. And in the olden days, an earlier mass, the first mass, which was notable because it was preceded by a ceremony which included the absolution of the public penitents and their readmission into church and to Holy Communion. Now, who are the public penitents? We don't have time tonight to go into great detail, but in the early church, the public penitents were people that had committed grave public crimes. For example, Christians that had denied the faith during a persecution who were guilty of murder or adultery. In our day and age, these would include uh, people like our Catholic and name-only politicians, movie stars, singers, athletes, etc. Public figures who are known to be Catholic and yet are seen gallivanting around publicly sinning. Okay, in the olden days, when someone like that received the grace to want to return to the practice of the faith, he'd first go to confession, and then since he was a public sinner, as part of his penance, he'd be placed in the ranks of the public penitents. Now, the practice varied from place to place to some degree, but they might be required to wear penitential clothing, allow their hair and beards to grow from Ash Wednesday, and wait outside the church, out on the front porch, until their readmission at the first Mass on Holy Thursday. Before this Mass began, there were a series of prayers. The bishop would then lead the penitents into the church, and they'd have to prostrate themselves on the floor. There were more psalms and prayers prayed over them, then holy water was sprinkled on them, then they were incensed, and then the bishop would release them from the ranks of public penitents. And then, and only then, after all that, were they readmitted to Holy Communion with the rest of the faithful. 
And although those days are far behind us, it still reminds us of the awful responsibility a bishop has to paternally correct a public sinner before he is admitted to Holy Communion. And it is an awful responsibility. And the number of public sinners are legion. The number are legion, but how seldom do we hear of a bishop that loves any of them enough to correct them before they wind up where they're headed. We need to pray for our bishops. Some 400 years ago, Cornelius Elapide noted, quote, how great the vigilance required of a bishop who ought to guard, care for, feed, and save so many thousands of souls how great a number of prelates perish, not because they lived wickedly, but because they did not correct the wickedness of others entrusted to them. Close quote. How great the vigilance required of a bishop who ought to guard, care for, feed, and save so many thousands of souls. How great a number of Pellets perish, not because they lived wickedly, but because they did not correct the wickedness of others entrusted to them. The responsibilities of a bishop are absolutely immense. We need to pray. How much we need to pray and offer up prayers and sacrifice for our bishops and all those with a position of responsibility within the church. St. John Chrysostom, he's a doctor and father of the church, states, a bishop himself, quote, I do not speak rashly, but as I feel and think. I do not think that many bishops are saved, but that those who perish are far more numerous. That's St. John Chrysostom. Those who perish are far more numerous. We need to pray. Let's take a few minutes to ponder this. In his first letter to St. Timothy, St. Paul states, quote, If a man desires the office of bishop, he desires a good work. Close quote. He desires the office of bishop, he desires a good work. Cornelius Elapide comments on that line, quote, St. Augustine states the apostle, that's St. Paul, wishes to teach what it means to be a bishop, namely that it is a work, not an honor. For the bishop is a superintendent, who is responsible for the care of others, and he takes upon himself the burden and labor of teaching and governing the people. Hence, St. Augustine infers that he is not a bishop who chooses more to preside than to serve. Cornelius Lapide continues, The apostle wished to teach St. Timothy in all bishops that the office of bishop is lofty and difficult, in order that they might seriously embrace and totally grasp it, so they might perform their duties sufficiently under so great a burden. Hence, while explaining this good or splendid work, he adds that it is necessary that the bishop be blameless, etc. And this was especially true in the time of St. Paul, when becoming a bishop was not an honor, but an immense labor in only one step away from martyrdom. 
In the time of St. Paul, becoming a bishop was not an honor, but an immense labor and only one step away from martyrdom. And that is true today in China. Let's not have any illusions. We're very close to that being true here. It won't be long. Cornelius Lapide. Indeed, St. Jerome explains it along these lines. He who desires the office of a bishop desires a good work, namely, martyrdom. From the time when the apostle said, if a man desired the office of a bishop, he desired a good work, whoever ruled over the people was the first one to be dragged off for the torments of martyrdom. Therefore, at that time, it was praiseworthy to seek the office of bishop, since without any doubt, by this he would undergo much more serious sufferings. Thus states St. Jerome, and the same is taught by St. Gregory the Great, St. Anselm, and others. If anyone ever seeks the office of bishop for reasons of prosperity or for reasons of dignity or in quest of a higher state and honor, he sins from dangerous ambition and greed. Close quote, Cornelius Elapide. The responsibilities are absolutely immense. And we need to pray. We need to pray and offer sacrifice for our bishops in all those with an with a office of responsibility within the church. And this doesn't apply simply to bishops. Cornelius Elapide points that out. Quote, the apostle is not referring here to pastors and priests, but they should be understood is falling under the office of bishop, for their burden and duty of teaching, feeding, and governing the people is the same as that of the bishop, except that it concerns fewer subjects, close quote. Now that makes it easy to understand. A great saint like St. Cyprian of Carthage said, quote, all those that had the true spirit of God were when compelled to take the order of priesthood seized with fear and trembling as if they saw an enormous weight being placed on their shoulders by which they were in danger of being crushed to death. Close quote. That great doctor of the church, St. Cyril of Alexander, said, quote, I see all the saints frightened of the sacred ministry. Is that an immense charge? Close quote. St. John Chrysostom, bishop, doctor, and father of the church, quote, Do you not perceive how many qualities a priest must have that he may be strong in his teaching, patient and hold fast to the faithful word which is due to doctrine? What cares and pains does this require? Moreover, he is answerable for the sins of others to pass over everything else. If but one soul dies without baptism, does it not entirely endanger the priest's salvation? For the loss of one soul is so great an evil that it is impossible to express it in words. For if the salvation of that one soul was of such value that the Son of God became man and suffered so much, think of how great a punishment must the losing of it bring. Close quote. St. Alphonsus, if a priest is not holy, he's in great danger of being lost. What do some or rather the greater number of priests do in order to acquire sanctity? 
They say the office and mass and do nothing more. They live without making mental prayer, without mortification, without recollection. Some will say, it is enough for me to be saved. No, says St. Augustine, it is not enough. If you say it is enough, you will be lost. And of course, we have a pastor here. Cornelius de Lapide. How memorable is the saying of St. John of Avila? Pope, uh, Pope Benedict XVI just made St. John of Avila a doctor of the church a few months ago. How memorable is the saying of St. John of Avila? Quote, so many and so great are the obligations of a pastor that he who fulfills only a third part of them will be esteemed by the people to be holy. But if he is satisfied by only that, he will not be able to escape burning in hell. Close quote, St. John of Avila, doctor of the church. So many, so great are the obligations of a pastor that he who fills only a third part of them will be estimated by the people to be holy, but if he was satisfied with only that, with only fulfilling one-third of his obligations, he will not be able to escape burning in hell. On this feast of the institution of the priesthood, we need to thank Christ our Lord for the gift of the priesthood. We also need to remember to pray and offer up prayers and sacrifices for our bishops, priests, all those with a position of responsibility in the church. We need your prayers.